AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. It's report day. Cattle on feed and hogs and pigs reports have been released. We'll get some analysis on the inventory numbers. Positioning for the reports left livestock futures directionless today, but grains and even cotton charged into the Christmas weekend with solid gains. Live from the afternoon before Christmas Eve via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This afternoon, we have a conversation with Chip Nellinger of Blue Reef Agri-Marketing. We'll get market news from Michelle Rook. I'm producer Big Apple Joe Stackler. And now, the host of AgriTalk, coincidentally also named Chip, Chip Flory. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Big Apple Joe Stackler. Appreciate that. And welcome to AgriTalk. Glad that you're with us this afternoon, wrapping up things, heading into three-day weekend, Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody. Um, it Just do your best to stay warm if you can. We've had to change some plans. We were expecting to be on the road this afternoon. My whole family was expected to be on the road this afternoon, but that is not going to happen. We've just decided to, to make sure that everybody stays safe and stays huddled in their homes where hopefully it is nice and warm. Hopefully it stays nice and warm in the down in Tennessee, too, the TVA just got this from Earth Tender 2. Okay, he's a dairy producer there in Tennessee. And notice this, that he tagged us on Twitter. Michelle Rook, get this. TVA has issued a mandatory power reduction to be implemented in cycles beginning immediately. Power may be shut down in 30-minute increments now. But that's a bad time for that, isn't it, Michelle? I think Michelle's muted at the moment. She may be. Hold on. I'm here. <laughs> there we go. She was running down the hall. Hey. <laughs> no, I'm trying to pull up the reports and talk at the same time. So, yeah, I got you. I got you. Yeah. No, boy, you know, rolling power outages in the Tennessee Valley area. It it just, uh, man, oh, man, I, I don't know if I'd want to be dealing with that at, at this time or not you mentioned the reports i did two in the open uh december one feedlot inventory cattle on feed report down two percent november placements down two percent and november marketing's up one percent the number that sticks out to me is the november placements down two percent the trade was looking for a 4.2 percent decline so that held the inventory up just a bit from what the average trade guess was the all H&P number on December 1, down 1.5% from a year ago. Trade was looking for down 2%. Breeding herd um, was expected to be slightly, and I mean slightly smaller than a year ago. And the, the, the summary from USDA says that it is up slightly from a year ago. And market hog inventory uh, down 2%. Trade was looking for down 1.6%. We'll get... Some analysis on that from uh, Chip Nellinger coming up here in the next segment. Do you see anything in there that really catches your eye, Michelle? 
No, not really, except for the placements yeah. number. That's really the only one. And it's always hard um, until you dig back into like the farrowing intentions and the yep. pig crop and all that to really understand some of the longer term implications. But like you said, placements category on the cattle, probably the biggest one. Right, right. Yeah. The forward looking info in the H&P report is always interesting, no doubt. Okay, let's go ahead and get started. What you got in the news? Well, we had a higher day here in all of the grain trade, but wheat futures worked to the upside to wrap up the week with March SRW seeing the low end of the week on Monday, the high end of the week today. Front month SRW today posted the highest close of the week and the highest close since December 1st. Now, bitterly cold temperatures in the central and southern plains raised concerns about winter kill. Now, that helped HRW wheat futures to also close near the high of the week. The U.S. dollar index closed, last closed, above 105 on December 2nd. No, that was December 12th, and the index has traded below that pivotal level since then. The U.S. did find some export demand in weekly tenders from Japan and Thailand, and the slow slide in the U.S. dollar should help limit some of the selling pressure. March HRW wheat futures were eight and three quarters cents higher at 874 and three quarters on the close today. March SRW wheat jumped 13 and three quarters cents to 776. March spring wheat closed at 931 and three quarters, up nine and a half cents. Yeah, on the week, March SRW wheat gained 22 and a half cents. March HRW wheat gained 30 and three quarter cents. And March spring wheat up 22 and a quarter cents. So, you know, yeah, the HRW had the lead. I think that's because that crop is in such crappy condition out in the central southern plains, and we've got those cold temperatures coming in. It it took the lead this week, but it wasn't like it ran away from the other markets. No, and it put in, like you say, some weather premium, but I think before we went into dormancy, Kansas, Texas, and Oklahoma all had only 21% of the crop in good to excellent uh, condition. And so it's in bad shape, as you say. I will point out, this is the second week we've had higher weekly closes in the week. Can you believe it? <laughs> it is a little hard to believe. Yeah, very good. How much of it was just short covering, though? Yeah. Remember, the funds are really short in SRW, especially. That's right. So. Bull spreads worked in the corn market today as traders even some of those positions up heading into the end of the year and after USDA announced the sale of 150,000 metric tons of corn to Mexico for delivery in this marketing year. Traders also noted declining corn crop conditions in Argentina. Now, just over half of the Argentine corn crop has been planted. That's about 8% behind last year's planting pace and crop watchers warn acres could be moving from corn over to soybeans. Corn futures posted this week's lows on Monday and traded to a new high for the week today. Today's close was the highest since November 30th. Analysts are cautious heading into the last week of the year. Position evening in Argentine weather will likely be the driving factors. March corn futures were five and three quarters cents higher, 666 and a quarter. July corn closed up three and a three quarters cents at 658. On the week, March corn up 13 and a quarter cents. July corn on the week up nine and three quarters. Yeah, a good uh, respectable close for the week. Yep. Hopefully we can keep it going next week. So yep. 
March beans have traded on both sides of 1475. We talked about that yesterday in nine of the past 10 sessions and did again today with the market kind of stuck in this sideways trading range. March beans today opened near session lows and closed near session highs after USDA announced the sale of 124,000 metric tons of soybeans for delivery to unknown destinations. The Buenos Aires Grain Exchange says 12% of the Argentine bean crop is good to excellent, only 12%. And I think that was down about 7% from last week. So that added to the support in bean prices. Bean plantings in Argentina, about 61% complete, but that's nearly 13% behind last year's pace. March beans closed today, 12 and a half cents higher, 14.84 and a half. July closed at 14.93, up 14 and three quarter cents. Yeah, and not a lot of movement in the bean market this week. No, there was pretty sideways. In the, yeah, in the product market, but the March soybeans were up just three quarters of a cent this week. July soybeans up three and a half cents. March soybean oil this week gained 219 points against losses of $8.90 in March soybean meal. Michelle, stick around. We're going to finish up the news when we start the next segment, and then we're going to get into a conversation with Chip Nellinger, Blue Reef Agri-Marketing, right here on Agritalk. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. We've cleared the schedule for you. Give us a call at 855-482-5524 and join the conversation. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip Flory. That's what this weather is. It's crazy train out there. Good grief. I'm <laughs> glad that you're with us this afternoon. Um, we're going to get to a conversation with Chip Nellinger here in just a moment, but Michelle Rook is in for Davis. Davis will be back on Tuesday next week. As a matter of fact, he'll be with me on Monday, bringing us a little extra dose of holiday cheer in the morning. So looking forward to getting Davis back, but we've got Michelle right now. Let's go ahead and wrap up that news, Michelle. 
Well, Cotton had kind of a wild week here. We yeah. saw solid gains the first half of the week and then closed limit down yesterday in the March before ending the week with slight gains. Longer term cotton futures are kind of stuck in a sideways trading range, but many market watchers see limited downside price risk ahead of 2023 and the planting season. March cotton was 91 points higher today at 85.21. Yeah, on the week we had March cotton, believe it or not, we were we were limit down yesterday, and on the week, March Cotton was up 329 points. Not a crazy. bad week. Like I said, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we got tanked yesterday with that really poor export figure, so that did not yeah. help. Ahead of the cattle on feed report, February live cattle futures opened high range, fell back to test buying interest under yesterday's low, and then boomerang to close near session highs. Feb live cattle were 45 cents higher at 157.75 in April, gained 50 cents to close at 161.82 and a half. Jan feeders firmed two and a half cents to 184 even. Yeah, on the week, February live cattle up 197 and a half. January feeders darn near steady up just 22 and a half cents. And remember, we did score some contract highs this week. And yes. I did see a little cash trade today as well. Uh, we had a see? little one. A little 156 this afternoon in Texas and Kansas. So that would be a okay. buck better than the weighted averages. So Well, and yesterday you saw a gain in the hook market, right? I the, saw some. Wasn't it up a buck or something from the previous week? Two, 249 in Nebraska yesterday and Iowa on a dress basis. So that was a dollar better as well. Dressed. Okay. So, yep, yep, yep. Yep. Good stuff. And All right. February lean hog futures posted an inside trading day with a close below the opening range as traders positioned before today's hogs and pigs report. Feb hogs were at 122 and a half lower at 87.82 and a half. April hogs fell 65 cents to 95.37 and a half. Yeah, on the week, February lean hogs up $2 and a nickel. So not a bad week in the livestock trade. Michelle, thank you so much. Hop in anytime you want during the conversation with Chip. Uh, let's bring him in right now. Chip Nellinger, Blue Reef Agri Marketing. My friend Chip, how are you? Hey, good. Merry Christmas to you guys. Merry and Christmas gals. to you. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all ready for it? Uh, I think so. Uh, surprisingly, usually I'm a, uh, you know, kind of a 23rd, 24th uh, uh, of yeah. the month type of a guy to finish things up. But yeah. surprisingly this year I was ready and, and luckily because we had this kind of mini blizzard and would have been a little bit treacherous being out there today and cold. For hey, sure. I don't know if Elliot appreciates being called a mini blizzard. Okay. <laughs> this winter storm, Elliot. <laughs> okay. Major blizzard. <laughs> yeah. You know, how long have we been naming the winter storms? It's been going on for a while, but kind of threw me off the first time I saw it, but whatever. Here we are dealing with Elliot. <laughs> well, winter storms, you know, they need uh, they need to be equal to. So, sure, that's right. You don't want them feeling bad. You're right. You're right. So, let's start with the cattle on feed report, Chip. What'd you make of it? Yeah, you know, I, I think that the the placement number was, uh, you know, obviously a touch higher than expected, but still under a year ago level. So, net net, you know, the numbers are still shrinking, and I think that's um, you know kind of setting the stage for an interesting first quarter of the new year you know we've had things back up just a little bit with uh some of this weather here the last couple of weeks and some lighter kills but uh you know i didn't see anything in there that was um you know trend changing necessarily yeah. um you know the fact that we rallied into the report maybe you could argue we can relax just a little bit but 
you know, I, I think the market typically does a really good job of of anticipating these and, you know, didn't seem like to me it was yeah. very far off of expectations. Yeah, the placement number was at the high end of the range. It, it was above the average, but at the high end of the range. And, you know, Chip, when you think about the conditions that they've got out in the plains, ver- on the rangeland where their background and calves versus in the feed yard, up until recently, the feed yard conditions were excellent. Why wouldn't you move those calves off basically no feed out on the range and put them in the feed yard? Yeah, and that might uh, explain part of the reason it was towards the high end of expectations, too. So, yeah. uh, you know, again, net net, uh, the take home for me is that the numbers are shrinking compared to the last couple of years. Um, you know, I think that's good news. I think we're shaping up really to have a really interesting first quarter because, you know, I think we're towards the end of all the uh, the breeding stock liquidation. If you can get some better pasture conditions here, um, you know, into spring and, wa- and you know, getting these these ranchers and, and uh, you know, backgrounders getting cattle, wanting to buy feeders and get them back on pasture, uh, you know, f- and, and repopulate breeding herds, this thing could get really interesting uh, with these tight numbers that you're seeing. So, you know, the, is the economy, though, going to allow uh, for the consumer to continue to, you know, drive things and, you know, allow their uh, pocketbook to to pay up for beef. That's going to be the, the main uh, headwind, well, I think, for beef in the first quarter. Let's go ahead and try to answer that question. What do you think? It, it, a lot of times we eat our way out of a recession. If we are headed into a recession in the first half of 23, so far the consumer has shown a willingness to continue to pay for beef. I'm, I'm surprised by it, but it's there. Yeah. Yeah, and to your point, I think that's probably a good observation that, you know, if you want to eat beef, you can do it um, cheaper cooking it yourself uh, out on the grill than going to a steakhouse. So, you know, maybe it doesn't get hit as bad as what we think in the first quarter. And and I I think some of it's psychological, too. If you can get a little better optimism and maybe start getting some some better inflation numbers, uh, you know, a little more optimism in the consumer that we're maybe past the worst of the recession – you know that goes a long way too. So uh, I think it's going to be an interesting couple of months here to start of the start of the new year. Yeah, the psychological side of eating beef in a recession. Yeah, we've talked about this quite quite a bit at, at Pro Farmer over the years, and I know you've talked about it too. But beef in a recession can be a luxury item, can be a feel good thing, and if you're feeling a little down and out and you're going through the grocery store and you look over and you see that steak sitting there and you know you got charcoal at home and a grill you can make yourself feel better and a lot of people do it by buying a steak and taking it home it's it 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 happens that's that's one of the reasons that i think beef and beef demand kind of runs counter in a recession it 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 doesn't seem strange to me at all. Beef makes me feel better. I'm having oh, it for too. supper. <laughs> a, a T-bone, a baked potato, and, uh, you know, a nice <laughs> glass of wine. That makes me feel better, too. Amen. Amen. Love it. Love it. So, do you like the structure of the cattle market right now? Got the, the, the strength in the back months? Uh, you know, I do. I, I think some of it is, um, you know, pricing in or has already priced in, which is another little headwind here, the, exactly what we're talking about with – you know, these shrinking numbers into the into the new year. So, yeah. you know, the market structured, um, uh, you know, with the back end ahead of the curve here. Uh, I think some of that bullishness is built in. And, you know, I, I think it's going to be, um, 
an uphill battle uh, to get us, you know, well north of 160. A lot of people have 170s, you know, maybe challenging 180 by summer time frame. I I think it depends on the numbers you have. You know, I I think an interesting thing, too, is a lot of people are saying, oh, the kills are down here because of the weather and, you know, we're backing cattle up. But, you know, my counter is, my question is, what if the cattle just aren't there? Then things get really interesting. That's right. Good observation right there. Okay, let's go over to hogs. What did you see in the hogs and pigs report? And if you had a chance to look at the forward, uh, the forward thinking uh, components there, categories, geez, there's the word, categories, the farrowings, farrowing intentions, uh, what did you see there? Yeah, you know, I, I think that the, the inventory numbers were, you know, nothing jumped out at me that would be uh, wildly bearish in that. I think they're all pretty well within expectations. You know, the one thing that you mentioned here um, it, are those forward expectations. You know, the December through February, uh, you know, fairing intentions are 101% uh, of a year ago. Uh, March through May was 100%. The full Ds through May, 101%. So, you know, I don't think that that's a huge shock. We have some really good numbers out there. You look at these deferred uh, hog prices, and, you know, they're really, really strong out there. I know meals high price. I know feed ingredients, corn high price. We've got strong basis in the Western Corn Belt. Uh, that's all, you know, something that's, uh, you know, hindering that. But, you know, not a shock to me that we've had, you know, coming off of two plus years of really high prices that we're trying to expand. But yeah, I, again, I don't think that it's uh, it's anything that uh, derails this this bull market that we've seen uh, in hogs. But it, it is showing maybe some signs that the um you know the hog guy is trying to expand a little bit to reward some of these higher prices gotcha gotcha we're talking with chip nellinger from blue reef agri marketing today i want to get just a little bit more on hogs and then it's on to corn and beans from powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. It's time for news of note from Pro Farmer. Argentina's crop condition ratings declined again. The soybean crop is rated just 12% good to excellent. Corn crop, just 15% good to excellent. The House has passed the massive $1.7 trillion spending bill today. Lawmakers have avoided a government shutdown before heading home for the holiday break. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken has made a call to the Turkish foreign minister yesterday to thank him for his efforts to continue the U.N. brokered Black Sea Grain Initiative. India is deeply engaged in developing GM seeds for 13 different crops. 
And the Senate on Thursday confirmed Doug McAuliffe as chief ag negotiator at the USTR. That is Pro Farmer's news of note. Give Pro Farmer a try at tryprofarmer.com. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. In the morning, you're coffeeed up and you're thinking. In the afternoon, you've calmed down, but you're still thinking. We're here all day. AgriTalk. Merry Christmas, everyone. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I hope you're all staying warm. Out there, we are in the middle of a conversation with Chip Nellinger from Blue Reef Agri-Marketing. Uh, before we get back to Chip, let's go ahead and recap where the markets close. March HRW wheat futures, eight and three quarter cents higher, eight seventy four and three quarters. March SRW jumped thirteen and three quarter cents to seven seventy six. March corn futures five and three quarter cents higher, six sixty six and a quarter. July corn futures closed at six fifty eight, up three and three quarter cents. March beans, 12.5 cents higher, 14.84.5. July soybeans closed at 14.93, up 14 and three quarters cents. March cotton, 91 points higher, 85.21. February cattle, 45 cents higher at 157.75. January feeders firm, 2.5 cents to 184 even. February hogs, 122.5 cents lower at 87.82.5. All right, Chip Nollinger, let's get back to the conversation. I said I wanted to talk about hogs just a touch longer here and it's the demand side the pork side of the market chip what do you expect yeah that's going to be a real key i mean obviously uh the domestic side i think is going to stay strong we've seen a real tail off here the last uh you know month or so from the chinese export demand so that's going to be the key to the hog market i think uh you know in 2023 is can we continue to export at the pace we have been and uh you know to kind of end the year here little bit of a cloud, uh, you know, hanging over us because China's really been absent here recently. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, going back to something that you said in the last segment, cattle may struggle to push that, make that move above 160. Do you feel an urgency to get a little bit of coverage in place? Well, you know, I, I don't know about urgency. I, I, I want to get into January and February. Certainly strong pushes north of 160. I, I think, you know, you have to be a little more defensive. But, you know, I, I don't want to be too early on this. I think you got to be uh, cautious. And, you know, any strategy you do put in place, have some upside with it. So, you know, put spread, yep. something like that, where if the market does have this wildly bullish run in the first quarter, you can still take advantage of it, but still have your downside covered. Right. Okay. On the hog side of things, do you feel the need to get anything done there? You know, I don't think immediately uh, where it gets interesting to me is out here in the April. If you push that April contract up closer to 100 bucks, you know, we're just under 96. Uh, and the summer months, you know, man, how many times has it been at the end of the fourth quarter? You look out there and the summer months are knocking on the door at 110. So mm-hmm. I think you really have to take a close look at this thing. And if you push, uh, you know, those summer months well north of 110, you know, 112, 115 at some point. I think you just have to get, uh, you, you know, pretty get aggressive something. at that point. You got to get something at that point. I agree. I agree because the risk that that on a whim the rug could get pulled out from underneath that hog market. You got to be aware of that, and and when profits are there for the taking, you should maybe grab some. All right, yeah, absolutely. Let's get on to the grains. 
What do you make of this weather down in South America? You know, mixed bag. I think the market's struggling with it uh, as well. You know, Argentina, uh, Michelle mentioned it uh, early on, I think only like uh, 19% uh, of their corn crop is rated good to excellent. They only have, you know, 55% of it in the ground right now. It's getting a little bit late for them. Um, the northern third of I mean, what counters that, though, is the northern third of Brazil looks about as good as it ever has. And what's not getting a lot of coverage is the southern third of Brazil, still a pretty major producing area. It's been a little on the dry side. So I yeah. think January weather is really going to get interesting. Um, you know, I think at the uh, the end of this week here, we've, we're seeing the market put a little bit of weather premium back in, in corn and beans. And they're just a little bit early to get too bold up because I think we got to get in the first half, uh, you know, two, three weeks of January to figure out, um, you know, what the trend is going to be down there. But, you know, kind of feast or famine. It's a lot like our weather this year across the Corn Belt. You know, over here in the Eastern Corn Belt, you know, best or second best ever crop. And you guys in the Western Corn Belt, you know, burn up in a, in a drought. So it's very similar in the situation developing in the Southern Hemisphere right now. Yeah. Okay. Um, when you look into 2023 on these grain markets, what do you see? What does the market look like? Well, I think it's kind of shaping up um, really interesting. I, I'm a chart guy. I, I'm not saying yeah. that fundamentals don't matter, uh, but the chart always tells you, and oftentimes it tells you before uh, the fundamentals are, are really known. So I think the way we're closing out this year really is drawing some battle lines, if you want to call it that. Uh, on the corn side of the equation, you got a lot of resistance up here, basically from you know just above where we're at, at, at 670, all the way up to just north of 680. I think to get above there and challenge $7, you're going to have to see that weather in South America deteriorate rapidly. I think this is probably the the you know early part of an opportunity to get some sales made and cleaned up on the 22, and maybe get a, a you know a better uh, okay. more aggressive stance on the 23. So, uh, however, I think the lows from this week in corn are really important as well. So I, I think the battle lines are drawn. I think you let the market tell you the the hardest part though. I, I think in the first quarter of 23 is going to be uh, acting on. It's always hard to to make decisions in a lower market. But I think if corn takes this week's lows out, which I'm looking on a chart right now, uh, 644 in the March, you mm -hmm. take that out, and and this thing looks uh, like to me like you've opened the door up to, for a mass fund exodus, and it can yep. push down closer to six bucks quickly. So I think the battle lines are kind of drawn. I think it's similar in beans. Beans are just kind of going sideways, hanging out here. Um, you know, basically sitting between uh, oh about. Uh, Caught uh, just over, just call it 1493 on the upside, and and I think there's a pretty major trend line if you look at the low from uh, mid October and the low from uh, mid November. That comes in roughly just under 1460. So to me, the bean market's kind of waiting on more direction out of the weather in yeah. South America. A push north of 1493, I think you could maybe challenge uh, an open chart gap up near 1540. However, if we reverse and take out Say, oh, I don't know, call it 14.55 on the downside, and you close below there. Looks pretty ugly on a chart to me, and we may have to take some action sooner than later. Yeah, yeah, that bean crop down in Brazil is at the equivalent of you know July one here in the U.S. And March beans have traded on both sides of 14.75 in nine of the last ten sessions. That just blows me away that we don't have weather 
giving us more of a trend in these markets one way or the other. But this, like I said, March beans, they love the 1475 area, but boy, they don't like, like they want anything to do with 15 bucks, do they? They don't just yet. Uh, you know, and I, I think uh, next week could be interesting. Obviously, you've got only four trading sessions next week. So four days left in the quarter and year for these funds that they want to do something. And I think the market, sh- the bean market is just waiting a little bit uh, on an extended weather forecast. If we come into a week from today, you know, ahead of New Year's and they and these weekend rains disappoint that are supposed to happen in some of the dry areas of Argentina. If those disappoint and you have a two week forecast that's dry come next Friday, it might be enough to push us up north of that $15 range. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. 2020, good. 2021, really good on the revenue side. 2022, wow. What are you thinking on 2023? Do we go with, do we continue the trend? What do you expect? Well, I think this is a great point, Chip. Um, I think this is one of the most critical things I think we've got to kind of wrap our mind around. We we talked about psychology uh, you know, before the break. Yeah, part of the reason those massive profitabilities the last few years, we've had two back to back droughts in South America and that shrunk our world stocks. And you throw in the Ukraine, Russia war and it's really disrupted supply and tight supply situation. My fear is we're starting to swing the pendulum back the other way to where we're kind of resupplying and kind of, um, you know, overcoming some of these shortages we have. And, and the market really has punished forward contractors for three years. Any forward sale you've made. You always regret it because the market just continues to grind higher in the trend. I think we have to refocus our sights on on profitability. Uh, throw out the three, four, five hundred dollar an acre thing that we you know have enjoyed for two, three years. I think we got to yeah. get more um, you know focused on. Let's get back to a more normal type profit level projection. And and right now, north of six bucks and near fourteen dollars on beans for new crop, they're still pretty profitable levels. And and I think yeah. producers need to kind of refocus their mind on, hey, this might be a different year as the pendulum swings back to resupplying these shortages. Things could take on a much different look. And, uh, you know, it seems like the market's always uh, rewarded people to wait. Just wait, you know. Beans yep. break 60 cents or a buck. Just wait a couple months. They'll come back. One of these days, that's not going to happen. And that's more likely <laughs> to happen this coming year, especially if we have a big crop out of South America. Yeah. Yeah, so much of that comes down to exactly what we are going to get out of Brazil in particular. I know Argentina counts. It matters. It matters a lot. But, boy, the Brazilian crop and on corn, too. If if uh, we would run into some late-season issues on the Safrina corn crop, the winter corn crop down there, it, it, can change, it, it can change the outlook for the U.S. corn market very quickly, can't it? It sure can. So that's uh, – and, again, that's a little bit – down the road here you've got an acreage situation we've got to deal with how many acres we're going to plant what's spring weather shaping up and then about the same time you get that second crop down there i think just to put it in perspective too you know i think some recent estimates are one little over 152 million metric tons maybe 153 if the weather stays good maybe you could push that up to put that in perspective you know that's like a 5.3 billion bushel crop that's nearly a billion bushels bigger (laughs) what the crop we just raised yeah yeah that's right that's right chip you're the best man thank you so much for jumping on here we appreciate you and merry christmas enjoy it thanks chip merry christmas to you guys too all right excellent
Thanks, buddy. That is Chip Nellinger, Blue Reef Agri-Marketing. He brings up a good point there about that 23 crop. We're still managing for a profit. The trick is don't let the profit turn into a loss. Let's talk about that next here on AgriTalk. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. AgriTalk is brought to you by the Conservation at Work video series. Farmer to Farmer, the Conservation at Work video series features real stories, real successes, real quick. See what's possible at farmers.gov slash conservation. Welcome back to AgriTalk. Great conversation there with Chip Nellinger, Blue Reef Agri-Marketing. Thanks to uh, Chip for making time for us this afternoon. Michelle Rucka is with me. Michelle, I just opened up the National Weather Service 6 to 10 day outlook. Okay. And then I had to go and look at my weather thing. And it says that we're still at a negative 30 wind chill, negative uh, 4 degrees, but a negative 30 wind chill. And I looked at the 6 to 10 day outlook for December 29th through January 2nd. And it has got above normal temperatures across most of the country. There's a little bit of a sliver in Southern California and Arizona that is looking at uh, uh, near normal temperatures. But where you're at is the bullseye for the above normal temperatures. I mean, they're talking about 40s, 90% odds of above normal temperatures. This is nuts. We're supposed Jeez. to be 40s by, I don't know, sometime next week, and we're going to get rain. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I told my wife. I said, ah, I don't have to go out and plow the lane. Don't worry about it. It's gonna, We're going to get rain the end of next week. Everything will melt away. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. No, I went out and plowed. Uh, the thing that comes with it is above normal precipitation. So that rain that you talked about, but uh, above normal precip across the country. I mean, across the country. Yeah, a lot of people need the only bad part of it, if there is a downside, is just some muddy feedlots. But other than that, I think it's going to be welcome for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. You know, this includes, and I understand, I understand uh, this isn't an exceptionally wet time of the year out on the West Coast, but it gets into the mountains in, in California. Okay, so if we can dump a bunch of snow into the mountains that'll make me feel a little bit better about the water supply out and in on the west coast going in into next year um yeah yeah great conversation there with chip the point that he made right at the end 
about maybe adjusting your thinking a bit on just how much of a profit you're going to be managing for for the 2023 crops. After what we've done the last couple of years, it's it's easy to slip into a mindset that says, you know what, yeah, that's money and that's profit, but it's not like it was a year ago. It's not like it was two years ago. I'm going to hold out until it is like a year ago, until it is like two years ago. Um, might be a dangerous strategy this year because the best time to manage profits is when you've got a profit to manage. You don't want to let it turn into a loss, and then then you're managing losses. That's not fun at all. And with the input costs that we've got for this 2023 crop, Michelle, you sure don't want to get caught trying to manage losses in that kind of an environment. No. And a lot of the guys that I talked to have said, you know, last year they were able to kind of manage by buying forward some of their input prices. They were more concerned about this year because those opportunities haven't necessarily been there. I know fertilizer, some products have come off their highs, but you're still looking at some pretty hefty input prices for 23. So, yeah. Yep. Yep. So you are doing market reports three times a day, right? Correct. Mm -hmm. Three times a day on agweb.com. What's, what has been the, the tone, the overall theme that you've picked up from the analysts that you've been talking with? Well, I think as far as the grain side of things, certainly there is some, you know, we're, we have shifted now from supply side focus to demand side focus. Okay. Um, corn exports have been horrible, obviously, down almost 50% from a year ago. Soybeans exports have still been very good. And, you know, we've still had that holding or propping the market up. Wheat has had terrible exports. The big key, as Chip was talking about, is you know, this South American crop. Argentina's yeah. had problems, but Brazil could more than make up for that. Um, and you're looking at maybe a record crop there. La Nina is expected to maybe start to die off January, February, maybe into March. And by that time, there may be enough time to get a really good crop out of South America, at least in Brazil. And so that may be coming at us. You've got China and their agreement with Brazil right now. And so they may not be buying. They haven't bought a lot of our corn, maybe buying mostly Brazilian corn. Mm -hmm. And how much of the soybean crop of next year do we think China's going to buy? That'll be a big key going forward. So I yep. think those are the main things people are talking about. And again, we've got some good profit levels still on the board on a lot of these crops. Don't let this get away from you. If this yep. is a recessionary time period that we go into, you may have the funds get scared and get out of a lot of these you know, contracts. And then as a result of that, and they've done some liquidation, obviously, a lot of it already. If you don't have that money flow in there to help prop up prices or whatever, what does right. that mean for prices? So, right. you know, don't sit on your hands. Yes. Yeah. Great points. Great points there. You know, you mentioned something there that I think in two or three years, we're going to look back at something that happened in 2022. And I'm afraid that we might say, you know what, that changed the market big time. And that is China starting to purchase Brazilian corn. Yeah. I, with their agreement, that could be yeah. it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 
Yeah. Hopefully by then, you know, beans are going to be bidding so aggressively for acres that corn's still going to have to compete. And, and uh, boy, there's a lot of changes coming in the next couple of years in these markets. I'm yeah. just glad it, we're going to be around to talk about them, Michelle. Yeah, hopefully more fun times ahead. That's right. That's right. Hey, thanks for the help this week. You bet. Really appreciate it. All right, we'll talk to you next week. All right. That is, Merry Christmas to you, too, Michelle. Hey, you, too. All right. All right. Michelle Rook, a lot of help this week. Davis will be back with us next week. Monday morning, we're going to get some Christmas cheer from Davis, and we're going to highlight some of the conversations that we have collected this fall and get a report from Machinery Pete. And then Monday afternoon, former USDA Undersecretary Greg Ibaugh, Minnesota farmer Pat Duncanson, and Maryland farmer Trey Hill will be with us to talk about what is uh, the Farm Bill. And, of course, we'll talk about some climate-smart farming. Merry Christmas, everybody. We'll talk to you again live on Tuesday morning.